0: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Rankable Episode 8. I'm your host, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive of iPool Rank. I have two special guests today with a very important topic that we'll be going over today. I have founder, manager, director of iPool Rank, Michael King, and also have founder of Creative Juice, Octavia Gilmore. How's it going? How's it going, guys? How's your day going?
1: Hey. Fantastic. <laughs> well- <laughs>
0: Perfect, guys. Thank you again. And for everybody watching at home and joining us that will be watching, thank you for all your continued support. This is episode eight of our series. And for those who haven't joined, um, this is our basically a segment where we basically go over anything related to marketing. We talk about sales. We also talk about current events and current topics. And today we're going to be talking about Black-owned businesses during the recession. And this is a very important topic for us as African-Americans, but as business owners, you know, some statistics that were actually recently released by the New York Times shows that there were a million Black-owned businesses in the U.S. around February, and now there's only 400,000 mm. that are currently surviving right now in this current time yeah. during the pandemic. So we want to discuss what are those challenges as a Black-owned business owner, right? How do you survive and navigate through these challenges? And, and really, what are some actionable advice that we could give to others that are trying to navigate? So. I love to start off with the first question you know as you guys know with the pandemic and you know millions of americans out of work which is going to eventually lead to more business owners so curious to know what led you guys to start your own business and what was that process like
2: sure um so i pretty much come from a family of creatives and no one pursued a career in any type of creative field. um my family had a t-shirt line back in the day where they screen printed my uncle's designs on these t-shirts and he used to sell it for the church. So that was kind of like my first introduction to using your creative talents to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to school, freelance all throughout college, build up my clientele. Um, always knew I wanted to start at a marketing firm, but I thought I'm like 20, right? So I'm telling myself, yeah, I'm going to do that when I'm like 40, whatever. <laughs> so uh, I graduated, got a job in corporate America as a graphic designer at a really large um, company. And I just did not like the politics. I was like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everyone scares you, like, oh, you need a full time job, blah, blah, blah. It's hard out here. Sure. So I think when it finally got to the point where I, I was still freelancing, And I would go meet clients during lunch, and it just became, like, too hectic, and I realized I have enough clients that I can, like, do this full-time. So I just took that leap of faith, and I quit my job, and I launched Creative Juice um, pretty much as a one-woman shop. Mm -hmm. And about six months in, I had too many people knocking at my door. I'm like, I got too much work, so what am I going to do? Am I going to tell people, nah, I'm good, or find somebody to help me? So that's what I did. I found a guy in... Greenville, South Carolina. I'm in Atlanta. And I say, Hey, I need you for like 15 hours a week. He's like, okay, cool. Well, that 15 hours turned into 40 hours consistently. Um, and then we just kept growing and growing ever since. So that's how I kind of got to the point where we are today. Very much organic growth um, throughout the past seven and a half years.
0: Perfect. And I'd actually like to ask you a follow-up question with that. Like, what are some of the politics that you were dealing with that made you go? And then Ultimately, what what are some of the things you had to prioritize to start your own business? Were you thinking like funding first? Were you thinking other things? Like what was the step one when you said I'm
2: right. So luckily for me, I own a services-based company. There isn't much startup costs besides a laptop and Photoshop and internet access. So, <laughs> so that allowed me to get started fairly easily. And again, as long as I had clients. Back in the day when Craigslist was lit, I used to post on Craigslist. I would be out here like I never left the house without my business card. I didn't play that. I used to use my uh, school's career job board and get gigs from there. Um, So that's kind of how I was able to get my name out there and just continue to network and build those relationships. So because of this, I didn't really need that much startup capital. I'm finally at the point now, seven and a half years in, where I want to scale it and get it to the next level. And I think I am going to need capital to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't taken any money. Everything has just been organic growth and like bootstrapping, putting it back into the business to help it get to the next level. Um, What was the first part of the question?
0: Um, I was asking you, uh, what were some of the politics you dealt with at the other larger firm that you were working at?
2: Well, technically it's politics now, being an agency owner, just in a different manner. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think when I worked in corporate, it was very like, Clicky or like whoever was there before me, like I would go after a job, but then somebody knew somebody else. I was kind of like the last person in the door. So I didn't have as many internal connections. And I know in corporate America it's really good that you network internally, right? So that you can make your moves. I was like first coming into the door. So it was just hard for me to kind of maneuver in that situation. Um, and then also the hierarchy, right? Um, having to answer to someone who answers to someone My friends always call me bossy, whatever that
3: means. (laughs) I am
2: not the type of person to have a boss. Like, I like to do what I want to do. So I think just the politics around the hierarchy in the organization. Um, And even, like, at one point, I worked for another company, and I was the only person of color. I was the only creative person. Everybody else was—so I didn't even—I just felt like I didn't fit in. And I did my job and I did it extremely well, but I didn't feel like there was a culture fit either, yeah. um, which we know as creatives. So in corporate America, is not that many of us, um, especially when you are a creative in corporate. Uh, a lot of times we do wine and spirits, entertainment, yeah. sports, but when you get to that corporate space, it's even more or less of us. And you have less people um, who are above you that can reach back and help pull you up, unfortunately, so.
3: Yeah. yeah and
1: and you know um my former manager and friend tony epic he, he just started something called black and brilliant which is very much about what you just described um you know he's gotten like some like 500 people to sign up to really help black people get to the next level in their um Careers, because there's a lot of stuff for like bringing people in at the junior level, like internships yeah. you know, and things like that, like Google partner with Howard to improve the computer science curriculum, things like that. But there isn't much out there once we get in and then like right. get up. Exactly. And so, you know, my my story is, is quite similar to what you just described, where it's like if this this environment wasn't for me. Right. And so I was like, all right, well, let's make an environment that is for me yeah and so you know like six years ago when i started this company that was after working at like four or five different agencies and and like loving aspects of it but not feeling like it was the place for me
3: mm. yeah.
1: same i think i have a similar story to you guys i
0: just didn't take the leap of faith <laughs> you know i think i think the biggest concern for me um like when i first started the business i didn't my first inception in digital marketing, I was working at a display advertising company, right? It was more like a churn and burn type of scenario. You get in there, you have to hit this number by Friday. If you don't, you go on Monday. But I was the top performer there. I was doing about 250,000 a quarter. My boss at the time took me upstairs. It like, the, people, the board doesn't understand you. I'm like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? I'm doing 250 a quarter. I'm going to lunch with you guys. Like your son stays in the house sometimes. What does that mean? So basically, my appearance, I had long braids down my back, I was wearing products with baggy slacks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I was new into the corporate world. And essentially, I had a, a decision right then and there, right? Do I hold on, stick to my guns? Do I leave right then and there? Because I know that's something that shouldn't be asked of, right? Or do I just shut up, kind of take one on the chin and cut my hair and feed my family? And I had to go for the latter. So right. i think we all have those type of scenarios where you know we we try to fit in where we're more than just a name and a number we don't really see we were very undervalued you know and people don't understand that that's really a big thing like culture fit my last position before coming to iPool rank I was two african-american employees out of 250 people
2: wow it's
0: crazy and got fired because I was asking for zoom info <laughs>
2: mm.
0: like it, it's things like that that you know that really make us who we are. And I'm definitely appreciative of you guys sharing, sharing your stories and actually taking that leap of faith. Cause me, I think it was just like, how do I start? What do I do first? You know? And then I think the, people don't want to fail. The, the, you know what I mean? People are, are scared to fail. I know me myself is like, you know, this is your baby, you know, you see it grow. And then for to see something <clears> to it, it's crazy.
1: So here's the thing, here's the thing. Like. In the black community, it's very important for us to be like better than everyone else. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if you're gonna do something, you gotta do it better than the other person. You've gotta be perfect. You've got to be like the Cosby family. You know what I mean? because um, like we're we're in mixed company, we're all representing all black people.
2: We are and
1: and you know, I'm not I can't speak for all other races and so on, but I I can say that um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have to carry that when they are going through their day-to-day lives. Like, and, and when we talk about white privilege or anything like that, like, that's what that is. Like not having to worry if you're representing your entire race, if you mess something up. So it's very common to say, especially in like the startup world, like it's okay to fail and, and, you know, fail fast and all these things, but, in a lot of ways that doesn't apply to us right. because we've been, you know, kind of like conditioned that we always have to do the best because we're representing all black people. Absolutely. Right. But and also we don't
2: get a second chance.
1: Absolutely.
0: And,
2: it That's it.
1: <laughs> failure cost. Right.
2: Yep.
0: Right. Because it goes back to a, an even larger topic, right. Is about the funding, right? right. How do we go into these banks and get the proper funding that we need to, to help our business thrive and survive through these times. Right. And right. that's a, a big thing, right? So one of the things they said compared from the New York Times compared to black businesses, 41% shuttered compared to 70, 17% that were white businesses.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
0: thought that was so interesting. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, when we talk about systemic racism, like having access to capital has always been problematic for us. Like that yeah. that is like the, the concept behind things like redlining and stuff. It's like, OK, if you live in this certain area, We just know we don't give money to people live in that area. And so, you know, that that's been the the experience of banks in general. And as of late, because of the the kind of like the shift in the overton window of like sociopolitically, people are no longer accepting um, of how we're treating black people. You hear a lot more banks talking about like how do we be more inclusive here? Like business bankers being like, How can we help out black people? But You know, this is like brand new. I'm talking about in the last couple of weeks, you're hearing stuff like this. The Reality of it is when we need capital, we can't find it. And if anything, you got to go after uh, alternative lenders, which are far more predatory and put your business at more of a disadvantage.
2: I will say, um, even with the PPP loan that I was trying to get, oh my gosh, (laughs) like I was very disappointed to see that all these large businesses got it over like the small businesses. And I bank with a really large business or bank, and um, my financial institution could not get it together. Like, (laughs) they didn't even submit my application. And they're like, we got over, you know, 5000 applications. And I'm like, that's unacceptable. Like, I need this money more than ever and y'all haven't even submitted my application i had to build a relationship with a smaller bank wow and then i was able to get approved but it's just like i've been banking with y'all for five years the least you could do (laughs) is put my application through the sba so i can get a loan and it's just like it was very frustrating for me i kind of went on a rant on linkedin but we're not gonna talk about that Um, (laughs) but yeah access to capital is very important I will say one thing that I learned years ago was I have a um, like a revolving line of credit for my business mm-hmm. and I got it when I didn't need it and then when I needed it, I had it. So that's always important having that access in advance before you actually need it. Cause then you're going to be scrambling trying to get it. But that's the
1: thing. that's That's the time when you can get it. Like when you're, when you're going after a line of credit, what they want to see is one, that you have a track record of making money. And then two that you're gonna have receivables for you know the foreseeable future, right? And so the thing is like and I'll be full disclosure here, like coming into this, like starting this business, you know. I I'm I was a rapper for eight years, and so my credit was not great. It's fantastic now, but like when I first started this rap name. Oh, you didn't know this about me? No. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that later, but anyway anyway so you know coming into this like I, I didn't have a great credit score so I'm trying to get lines of credit and so on and so forth and it's like there was just nothing available to me and and, and that's my fault you know having good credit is a prerequisite yeah. but even in those cases there have been many instances where you know a black person walks into a bank there was an instance recently where um, you know a black person walked into a bank he was like an NFL player and so on and, and they wouldn't like give him the private client thing and all that. So, you know, there's those biases, no matter what situation you come into. It.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then we also have, we have a question from William. He said, can you talk about ways you win business? I think there's many ways, uh, do you want me to take this mic? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, in terms of ways to win business, I know we've done personally, a lot of different things to make sure we stay top of mind for our prospects. So one being things like rankable, right? How do we, create content that is valuable to our audience and then we stay top of mind, right? And I think a big thing too is Mike, Mike's, you know, notoriety within the space helps us a lot too to understand, you know, who our prospects are, but we have to go outside the norm, right? We can't just send a cold email and expect somebody to you know, respond to us in a way that matters because everybody's being affected or impacted in some way. The best advice I can do that's been working for me is the personal branding aspect. And I've been getting you know, our sales team more in line with that. Sending personal video messages, sharing your story, right? Relating to your prospects, right? Sharing things that they would relate and use in a business fashion or format. And then they come to us and then you build those relationships because without those relationships right now, man, it'd be hard to, to even have a meeting at all. Right. Emails are bouncing back, people are furloughed. So, there's so many different ways you need to be creative about winning business, right? Go above beyond.
1: Yeah, I'd say, yeah. what about you? How are you approaching
2: it? I was going to say, definitely using your network, um, going back to those relationships. Um, I'm just realizing how important it is to reach out to people I know and let them know what I'm interested in, see who they're connected to, because that warm, introduction is much much better than a cold one and then i think also really hunkering down on your um, key differentiator so creative juice was a black female millennial-owned agency before it was a thing and now you know oh that's all the rave so how you know how can i leverage that and um gain more visibility for my company and you know, again, being a millennial, everyone used to talk so much shit about millennials so bad with her. But now it's like, oh, well, we want to do this thing and we don't know what it is. Call the millennials, right? So it's like, how do you turn that seemingly negative connotation into something positive? Um, and really highlight the value that you bring from having that different perspective is important.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I think that, like I was saying, where are as black people, we always have to like represent all black people. Um, you know, I've always tried to stand out in some way. Like I've always tried to do the best thing I can think of. And that's conducive to good marketing because you're inherently identifying your USP and like really, you know, um, driving it forward. So as an example, um, we just finished a movie. And when I say we just finished a movie, I'm saying that there's a conference that I'm speaking at next week, and they decided to pre record it because it's virtual and all that. And I was like, Alright, well, let's make a movie. And so that's going to come out and people are gonna be like, Oh, wow, did you see what Mike did? And that's going to generate more discussion and so on. But I want to get into to Tony's question. I'm, I'm really curious, Octavia, from your perspective, um, you know, on this. He asked, do your clients expect something different from you based on being a black owned business?
2: Um, I think it depends on the client. Um, I don't necessarily know if they expect something different. There has been times that I've pitched businesses and they literally say to me, oh, this was great. This wasn't what I expected. Now, I've never pressed. But I'm just like, well, what do you mean by that? You didn't expect me to be as professional or as knowledgeable I'm a Black woman? Um, So I kind of it it seemed like a little underhanded compliment. i will also say um a lot of solopreneurs who are minorities come to creative just because we are a minority and unfortunately it's with this five and a thousand dollar budgets and i really can't do anything for that low of a cost um so it's been a struggle for me to figure out how can i create um, some type of pricing structure where I can help people in my community who want to be entrepreneurs or who starting their own business because they want to work with someone that looks like them without sacrificing the integrity of the, the client experience and the work that we provide. Um, but I wouldn't say they expect something different. I would say, depending on who's in the room and who I'm speaking to, they don't expect me to be as polished. They don't expect me to know my shit the way that I do. They. I have people come up to me, I went to this um, meetup meet with other agency owners in, in, um, in Atlanta. It's 30 people in the room. I'm the only female and I'm the only black person. It's all white male agency owners. And I'm talking to some of them and they're just like, well, how'd you get Home Depot? How did you get Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, the same way you get your damn clients. <laughs> like, but it's like, they don't expect me to operate at that level because it's that underlying bias, which is like really frustrating.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so in my experience, you know, I think there's a lot of coded language that uh, they use in in some cases. So I've had instances where prospects have said, like, oh, we don't think you guys are strategic enough. And then, like, they'll they'll say the reason why they went with someone else is exactly a series of things that I had, like, presented in my presentation.
3: Mm. So it's
1: like it's like a coded way of being like, oh, we don't think you're smart. Um, and you know, I, I really don't do well with that type of stuff. Like I don't, I don't, I don't code switch. I don't hide from it. I don't react well to it. So, um, those are situations where it's really good for me to have like account people, people like Jared and so on that can, you know, be that proxy. So I don't have to, um, I don't have to react. Like I'm just not that involved in the discussion. Um, so. Uh, one another thing i'm curious about because you know i know you have all the certifications um what has that yielded for you, you know, I, I know you're like minority owned business certified women owned business certified like tell me more about uh the opportunities that that creates
2: well um so you know there's this whole supplier diversity buzzword which is some bs in my opinion <laughs> i first of all just having a real conversation. I don't appreciate the fact that I have to pay somebody, a third party to certify that I'm black, right? Or that <laughs> I'm a woman. I already have to deal with it. Now I have to pay you to confirm Shit. that that's what I am. So I didn't I already didn't, I wasn't messing with it. But mm-hmm. a lot of my corporate clients was like, no, get it, blah, blah, blah. It's gonna open up more doors. I will say where it has been beneficial is I do a lot of um executive leadership de- development right i didn't go to business school i have a degree in graphic design no business you know experience whatsoever so when i want to take a class at like tuck school of business or harvard school of business it costs money so what do i do i turn to these corporations and say hey thousand dollars because i'm trying to take this class and they say sure why not so i've definitely been able to leverage that to do a lot of um, education to help me learn more about being a successful business owner. They also depend on what certification you have, they have events and conferences, it's a great opportunity to network with other minority and female businesses and do businesses with them, which is really cool. Um, as far as like it, expanding my relationship with my existing corporate clients has not happened. Mm. Unfortunately, all of my corporate clients, work with me just because we're a good agency, not through their supplier diversity initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, that's something I'm constantly have been frustrated about. I will also say I have a government certification called a DBE, which is which is a disadvantaged business entity, and it's mm-hmm. for smaller businesses. And a lot of times these big companies, they get awarded these contracts and they have to give a certain percent percentage to a DBE. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, they reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, this project is one hundred thousand dollars. I got to give twenty five percent to a minority owned business. What you know? I need you to do this for twenty five k. And it had it can work out in my favor where maybe what they need is only like five k, but twenty five percent I get the twenty five k. And that right. doesn't happen. But um, that's another way that you're able to leverage those certifications as well.
1: Got gotcha. you. Yeah. So I've been kind of Um, I mean, frankly, the way I've looked at this stuff is that I haven't really, uh, wanted to lean into that stuff
3: Mm -hmm. and
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that, you know, for me, like I just, I'm just black, right? Like (laughs) I don't, I don't feel the need to be like, Hey guys, I'm a black owned business and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I've. I've looked at it like, is this a disadvantage that I'm not leveraging these programs and so on and so forth? Um, You know, because like you said, a lot of these businesses, they do get some sort of like tax incentive or something like that to work with minority owned businesses. So it it creates more opportunities. But I just haven't you know, jumped at that. Um, So I was just curious, you know, what you had gotten out of it. So Jared's back.
3: Yes,
0: the power went out and came right back on. So sorry, guys.
1: Yeah, so we are just talking about her minority uh, certifications and so on. I know you had another question.
0: Yeah, I, I was curious about the, uh, what are some of the challenges now, like prior to COVID, right? What were some of those challenges that you're dealing with during the recession? And how do they differ from the ones prior to COVID?
2: Um, and that over to her. Well, my biggest challenge pre-COVID was just trying to figure out how to scale my business. Um, knowing that I need more people to make more money, but then I need more money for more people. So what comes first <laughs> chicken or the egg? Um COVID <laughs> it was more about sustaining like a lot of my large clients were like yo, we need to Hit pause on that contract real fast or instead of us giving you you know 15k we kind of need to only spend 5k so um that's kind of something I've been dealing with, just really trying to sustain and keep my doors open has been a little challenging for us. I had to lay some people off, unfortunately, but I'm really big on my people. So I'm always trying to figure out how do I make sure my people are fed yeah. and um, trying to keep the morale high. We are in a global pandemic. We are in a recession you can't go outside a lot of my employees live by themselves so just trying to figure out how do i keep everybody energized and excited about the work that they're doing has been something that i'm still trying to figure out essentially
3: yeah
0: i, I think that's a big thing keeping the morale up right like and I, and I definitely would love to hear like how do you guys do that how do you balance the keeping the morale up and still running the business because you guys know their internal goals that still have to be hit. so how do you keep that straight face and yeah, Mike, you, you do a terrific job. <laughs> like, um, seeing I first mean,
1: the thing is this, like if you're a business owner, you're always living with uncertainty. Yeah. So the uncertainty that everyone is feeling right now is what I have every day. You know what I mean? Like you just have to, you just have to like keep your eye on the target and then know here are the steps that you need to take to get there. And just like, you know, just continue to work towards it and continue to manufacture that serendipity so you make those things happen. Um, you know the, the reality is like there's been many times in running this business that um things have like fallen apart to some degree or we lost clients or we weren't sure if people were going to pay on time but those are all things that I generally shield the team from like mm-hmm. it was just to the point where it's like hey this is a global pandemic and i need y'all help <laughs> you <Yeah>. know what <laughs> so like we we ha- I, like i had no choice but to be uh, perfectly forthcoming and come up with a plan of like what we needed to do in order to, uh, stay alive. And so everybody could contribute because it wasn't a thing that I could just do by myself and everybody in our organization has stepped up. And I think it's been more a function of all of us working together to get there and keeping all of each other, like, um, energized and hopeful, uh, to make it through.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah i agree and i think you know to that point 2020 was going to be like the year that i or i had a specific revenue goal right and now I'm looking at that bank account like nah player we ain't going we ain't gonna make that unless something happens so i had to really be like no it's a global pandemic like you can't beat yourself up like everyone's but maybe not everyone, but a lot of businesses are struggling. So if your revenue from this year is looking like, you know, three years ago, at least I'm still have revenue, right? I could be yeah. in it, but 41% that you mentioned don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like counting your blessings and, um, being thankful and having gratitude, you know, that you still can keep your doors open essentially.
1: Yeah. I, I got a question cause I'm bad at this and I know you mentioned it earlier um, how do you leverage your network? Like, you know, I have a really big network and I never ask anybody for anything. So how do you go about it?
2: I'm bad at it too. I hired a chief growth officer. She is really good at it. She's really good at building rapport and kind of working those relationships saying, Hey, I'm trying to pitch, you know, this company, I see you're connected to so-and-so. Can you do that introduction? Um, so it really is a job in itself. Um, and I think to your point, like, we're the entrepreneurs. We trying to keep keep things going, keep this engine running. Um, not saying we don't have time, but it's hard to kind of take that time out and really foster those relationships. So what I did was I hired a chief growth officer. And that's her responsibility. Um, but she even be on my LinkedIn, like, I see you connected to this person. And how do you know them? And talk to them and ask them. And it's a lot of you know things being intertwined. But I, I I see the value in it because similar to you, I don't ask for referrals, I don't use my network, but I have like twelve thousand connections on LinkedIn. Like people know that I exist, but <laughs> it's like why am I not or how do I use that? And again, just bringing her in essentially.
1: Yeah, see, look, Tony called me out. He's like, you never asked me for anything. That's wrong. Use your network. <laughs> and and this is someone who I've I've worked for before. He knows how good I am, and I've never like felt comfortable being like, yo, Tony, can you help me with this thing? And, you know, whereas anyone calls me, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm happy to help. So yeah. I, I just, you know, yeah. it's just not a thing I do.
0: It goes back to that GoFundMe thing we were thinking, we were talking about earlier. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not
1: doing that.
3: <laughs>
0: um, I don't ask, it's hard to make that ask and when to make that ask is the hard part, right? It's yeah. like, you know, hate making the ask, getting told no.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we're coming up up at time. Let's uh, get some of these questions that people yep. have asked on the right.
0: Yeah. So we have we have one from we have from one from Alex, right? So have there been times where you've received help or mentorship from someone unexpected, and what can others who don't necessarily understand your day to day challenges learn from those individuals? Good question.
3: That's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I think you can learn something from anyone. I had some uh, high school interns, three of them, and one of them told me that he uh, um, trades Forex. And I was like, what the heck is that, right? <laughs> and he really sat me down and taught me that. So I think you can always learn something from anybody if you really just pay attention. Um, and then what can others do? Challenges learn from these individuals. Um, that is a very interesting question. <laughs> um, I don't know, I have to think about that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of being a successful entrepreneur is understanding that information comes from everywhere. And you have to be good at synthesizing it and knowing when you can learn from it. So, you know, like, there are things I learn from people all across our team every day, there are things that I learn. From you know people that I've worked with before, or, or people that have nothing to do with our space, right. that will just drop something, and I'm like, "Ooh, if I apply that to this, mm-hmm. da da da." So you know, being a good entrepreneur is all about being open to learning
2: uh, right. continually,
1: and looking others who don't necessarily understand your day to day challenges, learn from these individuals. Yeah, that's a harder question. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're asking me to distill everything I've randomly learned across the last six years or 15 years or whatever. Um, but you know, really, it's just like always be open to learning. That's the only way that you can make it through. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I know we're, we're wrapping up on time. I don't really, I have a few questions, but I know it's gonna drive us down a rabbit hole. I think we're gonna need a part two of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wanna say thank you all for joining. Thank you for your continued support for our Rankable. We'll definitely be having more coming up. We have our next one on July 17th. Um, you know, we'll also will be recording live on the website. I also share it on our LinkedIn. Please feel free to connect with us. We'd love to talk offline and connect with you. Share some more insights and things of that nature. Always
1: down to connect and talk. And uh, it- one, one quick thing, one quick thing. Yeah. Click this link down here. Learn more about Creative Juice. There it goes. Woo-hoo.
0: There you go. Please check her out. <laughs> Please check out Tavia. Check out the juicy solutions she provides. Um, definitely connect with her. Learn more about her, Tavia. Thank you so much for joining today. Man, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank to have you, you. Thank have you. Me.
2: A lot of fun. So I'll be back anytime y'all want me. Oh,
0: thank there's you. gonna be a part two. There alright
2: you
0: All right, y'all. <laughs> right, sure. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.